Hello, everybody. Hello, masters of your own destiny. What's going on? Welcome back to my basement. It's a pleasure to have you back because, again, this is a podcast that we do with a lot of love, a lot of effort for people like you. Everybody who is out there who is in love like I am with visual storytelling, this is the place for you. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome to the family. Thank you actually for tuning in. And I hope that you enjoy this new episode from Suarez Basement. We create bridges between you, the audience, and those experts in the communication, media, and the art field. And now we have a great new home that you can visit. I think the address is somewhere around there. Uh, go and visit, not now, just watch the episode, and then go and visit Pat www.fsbasement.com. You can go there. We have the entire library in audio and video of our episodes, but also we have created really cool educational tools that you can use to keep yourself informed, educated, and entertained. So just go and visit. And of course, we're going to have today one an amazing expert like we always do. I say to my students all the time that we are in the business of make-believe. And it's true. You know, you have a show, a TV show, you have a movie, and your goal doesn't matter uh, if you're a producer, if you are an actor, if you are the director, is to make the person behind the screen believe that that universe, that that character really exists. And if it's a key factor in this puzzle that is putting that make-believe together is what we call set, de set decoration. And today we are very, very excited and very proud to have with us Kim Wanap, which is a set decorator, Emmy Award winner for her work in the HBO popular show, Beep. She has worked also in The Good Place, Bones, Park and Recreations. Her latest project is called Candy, and you can watch it now in Hulu. So it's a pleasure to have her here waiting for us to have this new episode of Francois Basement. And like I always do, I have a student, in this case, is a recently graduate from NYU, Jonathan Shakespeare, to be my co-host and to co-host this show with me. He's very much in love with Kim's work. Uh, he's also working in set uh, theater, set design in New York City. So I couldn't ask for a better co-host to do this show. Thank you for being here. Thank you, WCNY in Central New York for your partnership. And let's start this new awesome episode from Suarez Basement right away. Here we go. Uh, Kim, um, I want first to welcome you to my basement. I, don't, I hope my set decoration is good. Uh, what do I you like think? It. You I like, like it. it. You've got family <laughs> photos back there. You're telling a story. There you we got go. the brick wall. We're really in a basement. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I start this podcast in the basement of my house, of course, pandemic times. And I said, I need to do something creative. And I'm a professor. I was looking for a way to keep my students engaged in what they love to do. So I said, well, maybe I can do something with a podcast. And anyway, a year later, here I am enjoying this process. But really, thank you for taking the time to meet him with us. Oh, yes. Thank you for having me. This is this is exactly who I want to talk to. <laughs> That's fantastic. And talking about students, I want to introduce, uh, I have an awesome co-host today. Uh, Jonathan is with us. Jonathan, I'm going to give you the chance to introduce yourself uh, to Kim and, and to get your first question. It's very, I don't know, it's very exciting to be, uh, of course, talking with you because like it's like, 
film and TV and just like the sort of grandiosity of the production and set design for those projects is very, very like astounding. So I guess my first question for you is how do you, how do you start a project? Is it with like an idea or do you like do sketches or is it just like word vomit, I guess? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Funny enough, I just did a podcast on this, but I am also just starting up a show. I'm starting up the fourth season of For All Mankind, which I've never done space before, but it's really like my goal in life is to do Star Wars, which I'm never, I'm not that good. So I feel really lucky I got this. Um, let me call, let me call uh, George now. Uh, yeah, please give him a call, let him know. And you know, they're film, they're filming they're filming Star Wars in town. I can't. Everybody's working on Star Wars who knows all the all the sci-fi and 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 stuff. So I can't even get a crew together because they're all absorbed over there. Um, but here's the thing: is that I, in decorating, I come in and the production designer and the set designers and the art directors um, usually have already started. They've already been on a couple weeks, and what we're doing is diving into hopefully a script that you have, or, or the concept of of the first episode or the season, and you're you're trying to get ready to shoot what they're going to shoot that first week. So, and you're trying to, and for me to be on a show that's already passed, I got to watch all the episodes, I got to learn the history of these characters because it, for set decorating. My job is to make sure that the character is in the room without an act without a word being spoken. That's that's my job. So what I need to do is dive into these characters and see like, oh, like, oh, that frame over there, like that helps. Like you have a zebra on your on your shelf there. So I'm assuming you either like zebras or you've been to Africa. Like there's something, or it's a kid's toy, it's meaningful. So I'm trying to give clues in the, in the decor about characters. Um, I'm also sourcing products. You know, luckily I have some time. We don't shoot till August. So I have some time, some lead time to get chairs that I specifically want. Um, you're doing, a, I'm doing a lot of research. Um, the show is based in the mid 2000s. So I gotta, I gotta look back, even though this is a really, it's really weird for me because that's when I started decorating. So I'm actually decorating period, but I lived through that. So uh. Super weird from, I'm like, oh my gosh, I used those chairs on bones and now they're period. Like I'm old, this is freaking me out. So it's a lot of research. That's that's basically the biggest thing that you're doing in prep for a show. I love, I mean, I have to say, I was going to ask you a question. Can you define what your work is in like a phrase or something? But you just, you just did. When you say you have, my job is to be sure that you see the character in the room, even if the character is not there. Yeah. It's such a powerful, yeah, incredible, fascinating. it's fascinating, right? So... I, you know, I hear I hear actors in the podcast that I have that say, well, if if the room where I am doesn't fill my room, my room in my character, I, I, I'm not in character. I cannot be in character. How intimate is that relationship between characters and set decoration, set design? Well, here, here's, the, here's what I've learned over the years. <laughs> I used to think that God, this is so stupid. This is so weird. I should be talking to the actors. 
they're playing this part. They have, they should have input. They should, you know, I want to talk to the actors. And then I got my wish and then that did, it doesn't work out. It doesn't work out. Okay. So here's the thing. Unless I'm coming into a show where these characters have been established, my job is I'm respecting that. I'm respecting the previous decorators' choices mm-hmm. and, and enhancing them. That's my job. But if I'm, if I'm starting out, the truth is I've been with this character weeks or maybe a month or so longer than that actor has. And so as an advantage in the art department and in costumes and we have the advantage of live like deep, deep diving into these characters to make them real longer than the actor does. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes casting doesn't happen until a day or so before it's that crazy sometimes. So we really do do our best to figure out the characters with what we have whether you know sometimes you don't get a full description of a character and it it, in my sense like looking back at episodes and what did they really what did they really shoot what are we really seeing about this person um so I would say I have the advantage of of having more time with characters than actors do usually Mm -hmm. but they are the actor and we're, we're a lot of time you know, we're going to see them a lot of the time you know what i mean so i get that too but i have learned not to ask actors about set decor <laughs> <laughs> is it so just really quick is it usually the same production designer for like every episode or do you have to become oh. reacquainted with, like multiple it's the same production designer it's basically the same creatives so it's the same costumes, it's the same props, it's the same special effects, it's the same decorator. Um, it's it's for for TV, you know, um, and and usually like now it's like one hours we shoot in blocks. So episode one and two will shoot together, and you have the same director for both. And then three and four is a different director. And sometimes there's what's called a producing director who is becomes a or is a producer on the show who gets to direct an episode but then is there guiding all of the other directors so that the tone of the show stays the same because you don't want a director coming in and like what's this angle like that's throwing off our our world here why would you have the actor do that like that's not part of their character so they usually have guidance through a producing director in television so it's different directors, same crew. It's all the same crew. So that, yeah. Cool. It's it's funny that you mentioned like a period piece before because I, I mean, I don't really know if I would consider it a period piece, but many people, I guess, of my, I saying my generation feels weird, but people of my generation grew up watching like shows like The Good Place and like, you know, all yeah. these like, that's you know, recent. Like, <laughs> pretty recent, yeah. Just period like, is 25 years. We define period as 25 years earlier. 25 which years was yesterday. <laughs> so technically the late 90s is considered a period piece now, yeah. which yeah. is terrifying. Don't call it old, call it vintage. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, vin- it's good vintage. It's vintage. Vintage. <laughs> 
Jonathan mentioned the good place, and I do yes. want to talk a little bit about the good place because it's such a well. I, I love it. I watched the whole yeah. thing, and I just found it a very easy, funny, but also very yeah. clever show. I'm sure you have a lot of good stories to tell because it's such a a fun project. I mean, you literally are creating this fictional place, but then you also have the real place. So how was that project and how fun it was? It's, uh, I didn't do the first season. Mm -hmm. So I took over the show, but you know, at that point they found things out. I don't want to spoil. And then it became a different show kind of. And then, you know, they had a whole nother season where it was just earth. And then they had another season where it was, you know, where are we? So it was fantastic. Um, it was fantastic in a sense that I got to work with a lot of the same people and producers from Parks and Rec. Mm -hmm. And so, and I've worked with them a lot in the last 15 years and it's great to work with such nice people and such good people. Um, they're just the, Mike Schur is just the best. Like you, I can't even describe it. So then to work with Mike Schur on something so magical and, and there was a lot of um especially in props the the prop master gay perillo in meetings there was a lot of like well what is that bracelet and you know she has to come up you know they write like oh it's like this bracelet they, a lot of times they would write things but not Here's exactly oh not exactly know what they're writing until mm -hmm. they see it So the prop master had a lot of pressure in a good, t in a good way, very creative to be able to come up with things and ideas to present to them. And as soon as they would see it, they go, that's it. Yeah, that's it. That's nailed it. Yeah. We want it. or that's it, but can it do this? So the fun of it really was having a lot of freedom and, and, and in the design, having a lot of freedom, like when Eleanor and, um, I'm forgetting his name. When they move in together and I did that set, like combining oh, their cheaty. looks. And cheaty. And and combining their looks. But yet they stayed in that house. Like that was a whole thing. She finally got comfortable with that house enough that that they would live there together. You know, there and and like, okay, what kind of sheets would she really have now? And making it fun and making it, you know, these little kind of decorating decisions. You can't, I feel like the show could not have come alive without the the sort of yeah. grandiosity of that of that set. So I guess it's just that, that's important too that you know when they're writing that that they're able to do it. Like they we shot it on the Universal Backlot, um, and now you can tour it, which is fun. But you know, if you don't have that, if they don't have that in their budget or they don't have that, well, where are we gonna shoot? Where is the good place? Like mm -hmm. Luckily, they could shoot at Universal and make part of the back lot. And the designer, Dan Bishop, the first season did a phenomenal job. And, you know, to be honest, they they did that whole village and the producers walked through and they were like, it's too bright. It's too bright because and I think I'm allowed to say this. They never told anyone about the first season ending mm -hmm. until the last episode. Mm -hmm. So. The design, no one knew why, oh, we can't use these, these colors, like, it can't be too bright. Why can't it be that happy? They're in the good place. Mm -hmm. 
there was a rule we could not use the the like a red like a real red so that that that's big but they never told anyone till the very end and i know that i mean he knew that that was his ending mike sure but they never he might have told one of the producers but he didn't tell anybody creatively that that was the ending so they walked through that whole oh. village and it was too bright and they had to repaint a lot of the buildings to get it right. And now you know why. And now, you know, the viewer knows why. You know, so. we are living in, in the time of recycle and, and the idea that, you know, you, you take things and you use them more than once. Uh, in, in that universe of set decoration, how that work? Uh, you know, do we have a warehouse where you guys, you can say, well, we use a white sofa in, I don't know, this and this uh, TV show. Can we bring that back? Or every time you have a new show, basically it's a new budget. You go and get everything that you need. How, how that recycle of material work? Uh, well, there's prop houses that we can rent. We just rent uh, fixtures and smalls. You can rent a spoon. You can rent anything at, out of prop houses. The the big ones are Warner Brothers and Universal have these gigantic, like three story uh, places to rent things. And um, but as far as the rental versus purchases, that becomes a, a game you got to play because. Is it cheaper for me to buy that sofa for, you know, $1,200 or rent it three times? I might as well buy it. Mm -hmm. So then you accumulate all of this stuff. And I, I'm not even joking. At the end of Veep, we had a football field like twice because it was doubled up. This uh, just full of set dressing. And so... What will happen is other prop houses will come in and, and if they want to buy things, um, there's like a sale. But the majority of it, they take to an auction house and then they'll liquidate it. That's what happens with bigger shows who have had a couple seasons who have a long period. Other, th other times, like say a show only gets one season and they had purchases and they get canceled. Then it's like, oh, this Fox show went down. Do any of these Fox shows want to go over and, you know, pillage <laughs> through <laughs> their stuff? So as decorators, I think we try, we do try a lot. I, we also, um, at the end of impeachment, because Fox doesn't have a prop house and they didn't want to liquidate, we had um, Salvation Army and Habitat for Humanity come in and take everything, which is fantastic. Um. That's, that's the goal. You really just want to donate it because it's really good stuff. It's barely been used. And, you know, you want people to just have, I don't want to see that chair that's beautiful just sit in some warehouse and then nothing ever right. happens. Someone should right. appreciate that. Right. So I think as decorators, we talk all the time about responsibility of recycling furniture and making sure that, mm. you know, hopefully it gets donated. But yeah, have you ever experienced? like something of like a set that you've helped to create, like be put in like a museum or like an archive of sorts? On, uh, on parks, I forget what they took. They took a lot out of parks. They took like one of the doors. I think they took Leslie's desk and, and the dressing of her desk. They take it to like universal archives. Mm. Um, <clears throat> Smithsonian. Then on Veep, they actually set up a hotel room in D.C. for a year after the show ran, and we sent set dressing for that, and we got to pick it, 
pick it for them to put into a hotel. You could have like the Veep experience in a hotel room. I don't know what happened to the stuff after that, but um, but yeah. And then at the end of Good Place, I know that they took some pieces too, but I don't remember. Mm. But Universal has their own, or like Warner Brothers will have their own archive. Like they didn't let people throw away the friend's sofa or, you know, when they think that they can maybe put it on a tour eventually or something, they're going to, they're going to take it. Mm. It's like yeah. the, the Game, Game of Thrones memorial. Right? I mean, they, yeah. they, they bring it now to every single city and you pay for it and you go on and see the actual, you know, yeah. set or the throne or things like the, that. The Warner Brothers and Universal have really good studio tours. And um, so they use a lot of set dressing in that because that's what you're, you're looking at the set. So it's, right. it's you know, it's a compliment. Right. I know that you mentioned that space was like a really cool, like idea for like set that you've always wanted to do. And now like, you know, you're doing like a space set. So I guess, do you have like an idea of like a dream set design project that you would love to work on that you haven't yet? really like done like has it not come up yet or i mean if they remake gone with the wind i'm in <laughs> if they i think it really is it really is star wars for me i i think that star oh. wars had a like just a huge impact on just how amazing cinema could be and and you're and letting your imagination go i'm talking about like three four and five <laughs> i was gonna ask what your favorite one is <clears throat> um I mean, the other ones, too, and in the advancement of CGI and, and everything that they did with that, you know, it's still there's still good films for that. Uh, but I for me, I think it is it, I would never actually want to do a remake because your work would always be put against the original. So mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't want to do that. Um, I I'd have to say Star Wars. That would be Star like Wars. the dream project. So. It is, yeah. it is. It's such an icon. I mean, it is Star Wars. It's nothing yeah. out there. I remember clearly, and that's going to show a little bit my age, but who cares? But um, going to the cinema with my uncle and my cousins to see the first Star Wars, uh, 1978, around there. Yeah. Yeah. And I was blown away by... Yeah. By everything, by 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 the special effect, by the story, by the props, by the costumes, by it was something surreal, uh, yeah. and and that's why it's such a mark uh, as a movie, yeah. right? So I, I have a question actually because we always talk about when you talk about set decoration and 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 set design, and we never talk about the business aspect of, of things, right? We a lot of people who are listening or watching the video will say, oh, that's a fun job in the sense that you go and buy things and you put it in a set. Tell me a little bit about the backstage business of this. How are, do you need part of your responsibilities to put a budget? Who approved that budget? What What is the business aspect of set decoration? There's a lot. I mean, I, I would say only 10% of my job is actually getting to decorate a set at this point. Um, and I think the job has evolved a lot as a lot of the creatives have in the last 15 years, just because of the demand of quality that needs to be on screen. No, it's not, it's not that even, even when you watch like a multicam show, they'll do other scenes and another, you know what I mean? Like, it's not just a bottle show anymore. It's, it's a huge mm -hmm. 
it's a huge thing. So <clears throat> a lot of my job is budgeting and scouting and meetings and then um, back to scouting. And <laughs> so it's, it is a lot. And coming up with budgets is a whole game to play because you're, you basically play the game of this is what's written. This is how big the set is. And this is what it's going to cost. And then they say, it's going to cost $10. And they say, well, we only have $8. And then mm -hmm. you go, okay, well, I didn't, I didn't write it. And it's probably going to cost $10. <laughs> so what, at this point in my career, I go, what wall don't you want to see? <clears throat> what do you want not decorated? Because these are the elements that's making me tell you it's going to cost $10. And so they still come back and say eight. And then you play the game of spending nine mm -hmm. <laughs> and then hiding that other dollar somewhere else so you could get the set that you want. And But a little something suffers a little bit here and there, but you still try to make it work. Listen, I, I, I don't have words, really, literally, uh, because I grew up, maybe it's same like you and same than Jonathan fascinated about again the make-believe of visual storytelling and you work is so fantastic and what you do for these shows is allow us to really go into those uh, universe and those environments that you create so I, I thank you for what you do but also for taking the time to meeting with us today I, again I could be here the entire day talking to you about things and and props and stories uh, but um, our time is limited but here is the thing before we go students are listening out there I work with students, and one of the things that I I am very uh, much uh, emphasize to the students is the idea of how you deal with rejection in an industry that is really, really uh, tough in that sense. Uh, but I think it doesn't matter if you're a lawyer, doctor, rejection is always there, especially in the yeah. process of getting there. For your last, uh, you know, thoughts and message to the students that are listening and using rejection as a concept what would be that last uh, message that you want to give to the students out there that are listening to us? I would have to say you're going to get fired. It doesn't matter. I, I mean, I got fired from a show I was on for six years and they just fired me. <laughs> and I never got an explanation why. And you sit up and you cry on the bathroom floor and you wonder about life decisions. But then it turned into... I got Parks and Rec. And then I turned into working with these producers who I adore, who I think like me because they keep hiring me. And then I worked on Veep. And then I won an Emmy. And now I'm on a space thing. So everything that you do will lead to where you need to be. And so the rejection is everyone gets rejected. You don't get every job. You try. You know, it. it it's... It's not as bad as being an actor, I think, where they're mm -hmm. like judging your, you. They're, uh, you know, it's sometimes it's that, you know, projects aren't going to work out and I can't start till this date. Well, I need you to start now. Well, I can't do that. I can't leave the project I'm on. There's um, a lot of, there is a lot of loyalty, I would say, in our business. 
you do find people who work with the same producers or the same designer over and over again because you know that you can trust these people. You know that they're loyal to you. They're not going to leave you. Mm-hmm. So that is also a, a good thing to know in this business. That's well, I want to thank you, Kim, for your time, uh, your kindness, uh, your work. This has been an amazing conversation. I want to thank my co-host, Jonathan. Yes, you did such a fantastic job. And, thank and you. No, it's my pleasure. And all the luck in the world now in your new life after graduation. I'm sure yeah. you're going to be, yeah, you're going to be doing fantastic. Ah. <laughs> and I want to thank the viewers and, of course, also the listeners for uh, being with us. This, this podcast is all about you guys, right? To keep you informed, educated, and hopefully also entertained. Thank you, Kim. Thank you. Thank you so thank much you. for having me. I really appreciate it. And good luck. Good luck paying $7 for gas. <laughs> <laughs> uh...